Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. Uh, before we get started on, on this week's episode, which is, we got a really good episode for you. It's chaotic. It's dramatic. It's it's in two parts, so you could even say there's a cliffhanger, but there's not really a cliffhanger. Uh, it features our friend Ben Tufts, even. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to check in and make sure you guys took a listen to our uh, podcast last week, our interview with Sarah Curtin. She's got a great new album coming out. It's called Michigan Lilium. It'll actually be out this Friday if you're listening to it on Tuesday. It's 724. Uh, she just played played a show up in uh, New York City, a Rockwood musical, an album release. And the next show coming up, uh, the album release show, is going to be right here at the Rockwood Hotel on 8-6. And that's going to feature our friends, the North Country and Stranger in the Alps. So if you haven't checked that out, if you aren't hip to Sarah Curtin yet, please, uh, you know, take a pause, you know, hit stop on this, go back, listen to that, we'll wait for you and then come back. So... Now that you've done that, uh, this week, uh, we sort of split it into two parts. It's a little longer one because of that, so we're going to make this quick. Our friend Ben Tufts starts a benefit every year, uh, partially to honor his father, partially to raise awareness uh, for a lot of the work that his father did with the Wildlife Society. Um, he has a benefit. It's Ben Tufts and Friends every year. It is a full day of music out of Jam and Java. Uh, that is coming up on August 22nd. We're getting a little jump on that, so I uh, hadn't talked to Ben in a while, so I had him come down to tell you all about about it uh you can also get a more in-depth thing we'll put a uh, link to that in the show notes when we talked to him about this last year where he brought a lot of the artists that are gonna be playing on that so uh great to see ben uh great to hear him uh tell us more about this and see how it's sort of evolving and uh get getting out more than just that show uh and also about his show coming up uh with derek every and the missing Turks with the 930 club which is a big big thing for them so we've got that we've also got uh we waited to review Casey Musgraves because I wanted to pair it with Jason Isbell. So we're going to be reviewing Jason Isbell's new album, Something More Than Free. That came out last week. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've heard it. So uh, maybe you like it. Maybe you love it. Maybe you don't even care about it at all. Uh, you're going to get to hear what we think about that. Also, uh, you're going to be talking a little bit about Casey Musgraves' uh, new album, which had, you know, sometimes we get... <laughs> album talks on here and it goes unexpected uh, directions uh, this was definitely one of them the last one I can think of was uh, Future Islands actually uh, that went that but uh, so me Paul and Patrick talking through uh, Jason Isbell and the Casey Musgraves new album uh, and that's about it uh, for what you got coming up to put in your ears so let's just get to it uh, here you go this is episode number 125 of Chunky Glasses the podcast uh, where we're talking to Ben Tufts and reviewing new albums from Jason Isbell and Casey Musgraves it happens here and it finishes here two men enter one man really a two word review just a shit sandwich that right there he is a wonderful power. Patrick, glad you could make it out. 
Paul. Glad you can make it out. Mr. Tufts. Always. It Hello. has been a long while. Yeah, I was trying to remember. When was the last time I was on here? I think you were down here. For the it, drummer thing. Yes, it too it long was, which was a long while of a podcast. <laughs> yes, that was a, <laughs> that was, that was a just, monster. Just to let you know, that took four times as long to edit as it did to record. And the end of recording was almost three hours. So. Oh, the guilt. Yeah, it was fine. It turned out awesome. It did turn out awesome. And it, and it was regardless of... If it if, even if it hadn't turned out, it was just fucking fun as shit. It was really fun to so do. So we need to figure really out when we do something it. like that again. Uh, yeah. Today though, we're here for a very specific purpose. Uh, you throw a benefit every year, correct? Uh, which last year we had you on to spend an hour talking about it. Uh, let's why don't you tell people what it's about? Okay, sure. Um, so uh, the benefit is uh, is called Ben Tufts and Friends, but that doesn't really explain. Uh, where the money for it goes and all that stuff. Um, this will be the fifth year we've done it, and uh, it, it's a Jam and Java every year. Always has been. It's going to be August twenty second. Um, this is the first year that it runs all day. There's actually three separate events, but you can buy a ticket for all of them. There's a morning oh, wow. kids show that's going to start around ten a.m. Is that going to have Rainbow Rock? Yep, nice. Rainbow Rock is is the big headliner. Um, and then uh, there's the afternoon portion, which is pretty much the like, the like two p.m. to eight ish mm-hmm. sort of thing that we've always done. Yeah. Uh, and then the, we're also doing a late show. That's oh, so it expanded. Nine thirty or ten. Yeah. Um, Daniel Brinley's been gracious enough. He was nice enough to give me the whole day to book, uh-huh. and so um, it and it enabled me because I always have to. And of course, this year I still have, I had to turn people down, but I always have to turn bands down, and I always find myself wanting to cram one more band in there. Right. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, though, when everyone's playing like seven-minute sets, it's just getting ridiculous. So um, it's awesome. I've got a lot of folks, and I'll I'll mention all their names in a minute. But um, the fund that the benefit uh, funnels money into is is called the Craig Tufts uh, Educational Scholarship Fund. Craig Tufts was my father. He was a chief naturalist at National Wildlife Federation for about 30 years, and he passed away in 2009, uh, in the summer of 2009, uh, after battling brain cancer. And... um, it was his wish um, that he discussed uh, in roughly, I want to say, uh, spring of 2009, that uh, he was going to uh, stop treatment yeah. um, and that he, he wanted funds uh, that were – or any, any donations or any flowers, you know, in lieu of flowers to, to donate money to a scholarship fund to send kids to study nature. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, this is, we thought this was a great idea. Um, and, um, so the specific place that these, these kids would study nature would be at, um, these things called family nature summits, mm-hmm. which are, um, week long, basically ecotourism type vacations that, uh, the name of the, the group that actually sponsors it is the family nature summits, but they used to be coordinated by the national wildlife federation where my dad worked. And they, there's a lot of, overlap of staff between people that work at the Federation and also help out with the summits still. Um, And uh, it's at a different location every summer. It's always uh, near or in a um, a big park or, you know, near like some some sort of wild area. And um, entire families go and uh, spend a week uh, in nature. Not so much camping, although there's an option to do that, Um, but uh, just – uh, living together, eating together, and then during the day, um, adults can go to classes and go on nature walks mm-hmm. and go on excursions, and kids are uh, sort of matched up with other kids of their same age group, 
and into various you know age groups, and they go off and and do the same kind of thing, yeah. um, activities geared towards kids and uh, you know in nature. And so, um, for the first year uh, that we uh, had the fund together, um, they assembled a group of uh, friends and family, and we announced a scholarship contest, an essay contest uh, through. Well, a lot of channels, but largely through the magazines the National Wildlife Federation uh, still publishes, right, Ranger Rig right. Magazine. And, uh, and we had a bunch of submissions, and we picked a winner. Um, I was actually not part of the judging process the first year because I was on the road, and it was, it was actually, it's actually pretty intense. There's a lot of I was hoping you were, were going to say because yeah. I can't read. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I got to participate a little bit in the, in the judging for the first time this past year, and it's pretty amazing. These kids yeah. are all – you want to send them all. Because they're all, you know, I mean, the idea that there's a 10-year-old kid out there who has organized like a, a highway cleanup through his Boy Scout troop and is, you know, helping to build, you know, endangered bird houses, right. you know, through his school and has taken all these initiatives. The fact that there's kids like that out there just is it just it's mind blowing and it's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, the fund accrued a lot of money in the first year after my dad passed, but as is the case with many memorial funds, uh, people forget. And so um, I, uh, I had been in the habit of kind of throwing a party and, a, and having my friends play for my birthday uh, for a few years. And so I decided to sort of combine those two things because I was, I was born in August and, uh, and bring it to a real venue yep. like Jam and Java, which is ideal because it's all ages and they have a liquor, liquor license and they have a kitchen and they have great facilities and they actually have the main stage and then they also have sort of a front lobby area. Right. Um, so it allows us to do some back and forth stuff like main stage and smaller stage throughout the day and feature a lot of musicians. And last year, I think it was like one of the musicians going to play this year, uh, Derek Avery, who was sort mm -hmm. of like the the MC ish, like I think, and and sort of navigated and moved stuff back and forth. It was, well, he was, it was yeah, impressive. he was doing a lot of stage management. Um, Chris Stello from Michigan and Yuma Ray was yeah. also doing a lot of stage management. I have a lot of help. I'm very lucky. I have a lot of really amazing friends that uh, help with selling the ridiculous amount of merchandise. You, you have like 25 acts playing on a show. The merch table is staggering. So um, it's a great event and I get to, One t-shirt you know, for Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I get to hang out and, and uh, you know, hear all my friends play and raise a lot of money. And we've, we've raised over $5,000 at this point through, for, the, for the scholarship fund. And it, it costs a good chunk of money because the scholarship fund doesn't just pay for the kids' room and board mm -hmm. and, and tuition, but they also pay for the plane ticket. Yeah. And so depending on where they're coming from and where they're going, it can get pretty pricey. And we pay for the guardian that goes with them. Right. So, um, you know, at this point, the, this, the, um, the concert is that we do every year is the only thing that's funneling new money into the fund. Right. So um, it's good to feel like, you know, we're keeping it alive and we're growing it, yeah. staying a little bit ahead of it. Um, I have some more ideas about how we're eventually going to try to make it self-sustaining, but that's way down the road. Right. So, well, so, how, so how are you growing it this year? Well, besides just making the event longer, yeah. um, what we did in February is uh, I, um, I decided to, to um, since it was the, the anniversary of the release of my favorite live album ever, Live at Leeds uh, by The Who, we actually um, donated a large portion of the funds from that show in February yeah. at IOTA, which was just another collection of just all kinds of folks that hopped on the show. And so I'm starting to do uh, events twice a year, not just the August fundraiser. Okay. But um, so the August fundraiser is all original music. Um, the February thing this past year was a tribute show. I'm planning on doing another one this coming February because it's uh, a big anniversary for um, either Rubber Soul or Revolver. 
which are my two favorite Beatles right. records. And uh, so uh, Rubber Soul. Yeah, right. 66? Yeah. yeah. His Revolver is 67 or 68. Right. So um, we're going to do that whole record and uh, probably do it at IOTA again. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of my favorite clubs in the area and a good place to do it. So um, so that's one way. Um, I have recently taken up uh, running. Uh, oh. And uh, my dad was a marathon runner. And so I would I have some ideas about how to also get, you know, because races can raise a lot of money for, for charity organizations. They're, you know, since I've started running and started racing, like, every month there's, like, you know, every weekend there's, like, five races in any major metropolitan area, if not right. more. So. So a lot so, of people do it, and it's just and and honestly, it's a lot of people that are like, here's a five k for this, here's a five k for this. Yeah, and, and a lot get, of times it's like I, like the race I did in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. Like I didn't do it necessarily because of what it was raising money for. I was just mm-hmm. going to be in town and wanted to run a race. Mm-hmm. So you know, but well, but they'll take my money, and it's great because <laughs> yeah. it feels good, you know, to like to yeah. to do that. So um, yeah, and uh, I don't know, I've got a. Hosting shows, running concerts is something I have a little bit of experience with. Yeah. I know nothing about organizing a race. So <laughs> so uh, I'm going to need a lot more help for that one. But that's one of the ways I want to start raising more money. Nice. So It's funny because when you were here the uh, first time talking about this, I asked about like uh, you expanding this out and stuff. And you're like – at the time, you're like, well, I know how to do this. And so it's sort of awesome to see you actually being like, oh, I, I do all these things and – and, and, Knowing that like your talents and interests and stuff can support something like this. Uh, another thing I noticed too is that I didn't think of last time we talked was um, giving these kids this like sort of nature retreat is such like a um, you know I, I don't know about you Patrick like uh, we're dealing with somebody who has cancer right now mm-hmm. uh, you know you know it's it's a vicious thing it, it robs mm-hmm. you your life but yeah. lots of things can do that um, and. It's not like uh, you know. Here, kids. Here's a here's mm. an iPad. Mm. It's like yeah. centering them and and setting them down a path where they can enjoy like the yeah. important stuff. Well, it, you know, this is a really good point, and I want to kind of piggyback on that because uh, a lot of people. I think you actually may have asked me when I was on before, like, so your dad died from cancer. Why not do a cancer research benefit? Right. Which a lot of people have asked me that, and of course, you know, it was his wish that the money would go to that. Yeah. Um, but I've thought about that, and um, and I I don't know. This is going to sound kind of hippy dippy, but you know I'm I'm one of the people who thinks that you know the great increase in a lot of types of cancer has a lot to do with the fact that we just don't get out in nature enough. We're we're not where we're supposed to be most of the time. Right. You know, I mean that, that's there's a, a bit of a fuzzy calculus where you yeah. know to, there's nothing that can necessarily prove that. But I firmly believe that if people spend more time in nature and not as much time in traffic, that we probably wouldn't have as much stress, and, and as a result, I don't think we'd probably develop as much cancer. I can't prove that. I'll leave that up to no, the scientists. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, that is, uh, it, you're not alone in those thoughts. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, so who all is playing this year? Hmm. We have to edit this part because I did not prepare. <laughs> you no editing. Wanna... You know that. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, in that case, we'll just you know make me look like the unprepared asshole that I am. While you're doing that, I, I can add that I have a wife who works for the. Uh, corporate uh, part of the Humane Society and, and has worked in uh, wildlife protection. Oh, cool. There are lots of studies that show that um, if you're taught to appreciate uh, and treat well, mm-hmm. uh, not only nature but animals at a young age, yep. you know, you're 
tendency towards empathy and all these other things later in life. You're yeah, the you likelihood that you won't killer. become a serial killer. Are, are you saying Gus is higher. keeping me from being a complete asshole? Exactly. Okay. So, but, no, but Gus encourages your tendencies. <laughs> but <laughs> celebrating the the appreciation of nature in youth is is I mean, it may seem like a simple thing, but it actually has uh, ripples out. That, yeah, that I mean, are, have been measured in certain studies. Well, like like where I grew up, in, and we'll actually talk a little bit more about uh, where I grew up in the South. Like our summers were. You know, you get up at 7 a.m. and you're outdoors, yeah. running through the woods, getting in trouble, like, all day long. Like, all day. And that's for, what, three months between school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, like, I know, like, my nieces don't do that anymore. Yeah. Okay. I have the lineup. Are you okay. Ready? Uh, the the kids show, and this is really awesome that we're doing the kids show, and it's almost like a no-brainer because it's like, well, this is a fund raising money for kids to study yeah. nature. So. Um, <laughs> John Henry, the guitar playing man, uh, Rainbow Rock, and the Great Zucchini. Are, which, which, are, real quick, explain Rain, Rainbow Rock because that, they're sure. going to have them on here oh, soon. But, really, yeah. awesome. Rainbow Rock is Kate Moran's band uh, that plays music for children, mm-hmm. and I actually just started playing with them, uh, playing drums. When they do a lot of duo and trio shows, yeah. um, Kate does, and so I'm not with them very often. I know Derek has been doing these crazy like library tours with her yeah, recently yeah. they're doing like three and four shows a day it's crazy but um it's a great it's a great project kate moran's a good friend of mine she helped design the website for ben tufts and friends mm-hmm. she helped me um basically because she has a lot of experience having booked the del rey fest for years right. mm-hmm. uh with raising money for concerts which is one thing i suck at is asking mm-hmm. for money she helped us get our first sponsors for the past couple of years because yeah. she had all the paperwork and everything already she's awesome um, so, um, so it's Kate's band and, uh, the music's really fun. Um, it's, you know, they do some of the, some of the standards, you yeah. know, wheels on the bus, right. but, uh, it's a whole different Paul's world. Favorite. It's a different world. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they do, they do original music too. And you know, it's, it's cool. Like original yeah. music for kids. I, it was one of those things where in my twenties growing up, you know, and, and playing gigs, I thought like, oh, I don't want to play kids music, you know, right. but, uh, and I don't have any kids of my own, but, um, but it's really fun. Like nobody's going to besides add that the, you know the besides yeah. the right exactly. <laughs> besides the you know the ten a.m. thing, um, which yeah. can be painful. It's really cool playing for for kids. It really yeah. is. It, I have a blast. Um, I've only done, gosh, has it just been the one show? I can't remember. I think it's just been the one. Yeah, I was supposed to do a second one, but it got canceled. Right. So I did her big release show at Jam and Java um, about a month ago, and that was great. So that's the the children's portion. Um. For the afternoon show, we have uh, Mika Pauly from New York City, who's okay. amazing. Uh, Rebecca Todd from North Carolina, also amazing. Everybody on this list is great. Chris Darby from uh, the Midwest, uh, and they're all from so they're all out of towners. Um, Ken Wenzel, mm-hmm. Heather May, Rachel Levitin, and Derek Every is going to do a, either a solo or a duo type set. Um, the full bands on the afternoon portion are Letitia Van Zant and the Bonafides. Nice. Who are fantastic, yeah. Uh, the Fire Tonight, Projected Man, which is a fusion band from the area. I was really excited <laughs> to get something like that on, on the bill. And it should be clear to anybody going out to this. Like, it's not You're not going to sit down and see, like, here's a bunch of folk dudes playing on your face. You're going to see every Yeah, I really try to make it kind of, as eclectic as possible. Yeah. It's kind of like my, my old college radio show where my goal was to make it a show or it was really hard for any one person to sit through and enjoy every single song. I tried to make it as possible. That's an admirable goal. Yeah. Well, college radio, sure. It's, it's, it's kind of what we go for with this podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Actually. Um, 
Short Lives are playing, and so are Lighting Fires. Uh, I'll be playing... Have you played last night? Uh, yes. 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 Um, I'll be playing with Mishavon and Yuma Ray and with the Coward Squire. Nice. And actually, this will be my last show with the Coward Squire. Oh! Um, and then the evening show is going to be um, Collider, uh, Ryan Burke's band, Collider. Uh-huh. Um, Phoebe Novak, who is from the area, but I think she, I think she lives in New York now. She's great. Uh, Dr. Robinson's Fiasco. And then I'll be performing in the evening show also with Uptown Boys Choir, Kevin D'Souza. Which is sort of like your new band. Uh, oh, it's not my band. Uh, it's a but, new, but it's a band you're in. Yes, that's why it's a band I'm your in. New band, and, like. Yeah, Kevin's a good friend of mine. Uh, and Tony uh, Pareka from Hometown Sounds. Yeah, it, Tony's so. in there. It's a great. It's a great group. I play. I hop on with a lot of acts, and it, and many times it feels like it's kind of last minute. And wow. the, you know, the double edged sort of being known as the guy who can learn a twelve song set like in one night and then show up the next day and play it. Right. Is is it's nice, but then you get people who get kind of lazy and don't get you their set until like <laughs> the day before. <laughs> but so with Kevin, I knew it wasn't going to be like that right. exactly. But I had no idea that when he assembled this kind of this group of musicians that it was going to come together the way it did. And 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 Kevin's songs really grow on you. Um, I didn't hate them when I first listened to them, but right. like after like a couple of rehearsals in one show, I like found myself like really emotionally connecting with a lot of yeah. the songs. Which you know, when you play with a lot of different folks, it's it's hard to always. I always try to play my ass off, sure, no matter what. But 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 Kevin's songs, I really you know, I've really I've really grown on me a lot, and so uh, I'm looking forward to to having them on it. Nice. So that's uh, that's it, and I'm also I'm going to be booking a show at Epicure Cafe the night before. Um, that's going to have some of the same out of towners and then a few other locals on it. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's a yeah. whole thing. Yeah, it's a fun weekend. That's I get fantastic. To just hang out with family and, and jam a lot, and you know, yeah, it's a whole big yeah like music thing. You've also got coming up. Uh, you guys are going to be playing the nine thirty club, right? Oh man, yeah. Um, if some of our listeners may recall, like three of them, um, <laughs> that I, I used to play a lot of shows with Derek Every. And um, his band, um, specifically me and Derek and Aaron Mason and Matt Berry, we were referred to as Derek Every and his band of misanthropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stopped playing last winter, right? Um, pretty much. We did a couple. We did a couple songs at the. And it was recently Hoosier. after the EP came out, right? Well, the, the EP recently. came out in the summer. Okay. And um, and then the band sort of kind of stalled out for lack of a. A, a juicier story right, right. Um, by the end of the year. Um, and uh, Derek has been kind of quietly writing some new stuff and uh, he's continued to play a lot of solo shows and I've done a couple duo shows with him. Um, but the, the, the band in that particular format has not played since, since last uh, winter, since last October, November, I think. Um, and a few weeks ago, we got a call from our good friend, Johnny Grave, who had booked himself a show at the 930 Club everybody's favorite club because yep. it's amazing. And, uh, and he asked us if he asked Derek, if he would play it. And Derek said, I don't really have a band. And Johnny was basically like, fuck you. Like call the missing. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like they're not going to want to do you it. Have a band. And so he texted us all. And of course, all of us were like, yeah, we'll do it. You know? Mm-hmm. And is so, that, is that the plot of Eddie and the cruisers too? <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that. eighties podcast I, too much. I, today. I have, I have. Um, so August 14th, uh, the misanthropes are giving it at least one more go. We right. don't, a lot of people have asked us if this is going to be sort of like us coming back out. We had planned on re, re kind of structuring the band and writing some stuff. new material, and it just didn't work. 
It just did not work. Yeah. So Derek's been writing some new stuff, and it's fantastic. I just actually hung out with him a couple of days ago. We nice. planned out the set, and we were only we were gonna just basically do like, oh, let's just do all the hits from the EP and the full mm-hmm. length. And um, I had heard a number of the new songs anyway, but um, but we decided to put at least three new songs on this show. Awesome. So we're really excited about getting new material out in front of people and just playing like, let's be honest, like the best room of its size in at least the country. Yeah, um, no, for sure. And and I don't have a lot of experience playing like a thousand and twelve hundred person rooms in a lot of other towns, more like a hundred and two hundred right, person right. rooms in other towns. <laughs> My friends who do say, I didn't realize how good I had it until I left DC. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's got the best staff, uh all the way up to the top. It's got the best lines of sight, it's got great food, it's got um incredible hospitality. It's just I can't think of a bad thing about nine thirty club, to be honest. Never been so. to a show with really bad sound there. No. no, the sounds are The sounds fantastic. So. Gus always does a great job, um, and I actually have started doing some crew shifts there, oh. um, just because I don't work enough already, yeah. I guess. And uh, and it's fun to see how that, how that whole team works behind the, the the scenes. And I haven't worked at any other clubs, but I I have been privy to how how important it is for morale at any yeah institution, obviously, but especially a club. Um, and they, you know, they treat each other like family. Yeah, they, really they are family. They, I mean, yep. that, that, that is uh, certainly, uh, yep. certainly a thing. So, uh, let's hit the people with, with the relevant, like info, the links, which they've been oh, looking for. Sure. Um, well for the benefit show, Ben Tufts and is the place to go. Um, we don't have the lineup for the, the August date, uh, announced on that website just uh-huh. yet. That's going to change over soon. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook and Twitter yep. and Instagram. It's it's if you just search for Ben Tufts, I'm, I'm you on all Snapchat those things. Yet? You know, I deleted my Snapchat. <laughs> I probably get a thousand pictures of poop from my stupid high school friends waiting for me if I ever open it back up. But uh, I I do not have Snapchat anymore. It's a shame. Yeah. Um. And uh, Derek, I think, can be found online. DerekEvery.com probably forwards to his. Reverb Nation page or something, but uh, Derek's pretty easy to find on social media too. And uh, yeah, so uh, anyone who's listening, please come out and see us at 930 Club August 14th. We're going to be trying to pack that place with as many people as we can. And then a week later, uh, a little bit more than a week later, August 22nd, we'll be at Jam and Java with dozens of bands. Don't be scared of Virginia. For cool stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Just go, yeah. just go out there. It's, it's a, okay to cross the Potomac. Like I say, I, you I, don't I, have to uh, do it in a boat. I, I was out there all day last year and it, and it was great. Uh, so, uh, well, we'll put all those in the show notes, Ben. Uh, awesome. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, come back more often. Like it's it literally has been like six or seven months. So it has been too long. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. figure out some, uh, maybe uptown boys choir. Sure. Yeah. Anytime you want to throw me a date to just come on and, and drink bourbon and, you know, tell stupid jokes. So that's Sundays. <laughs> right. can, can people volunteer for the to to help put on the uh, the benefit? The ben Tufts yeah. friends thing? You know, I, I it's it's a good question. I, I currently I think I was saying this maybe before we started recording, but I have a, an incredible group of friends uh that help me put on this show every year. Uh like I said, stage management mm-hmm. has uh, has always been this past year was Derek Every and Chris Stello, and I, I believe they're both going to help me again with that this year. Um, Jasmine Gillison and Allie Gibson and uh, Angel um, help me with the merch stuff every year, and they're back on it this year. Nice. Um, so, and then Kate Moran helps me with a lot of promo stuff. Currently, I don't think I have any need for volunteers, okay. but um, if I manage to get this whole race idea, 5K thing happening, I will t- 
I will most definitely need volunteers for that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I encourage people to. And actually, there's there's now finally a a um, a Twitter and a Facebook page even for the memorial funds. So oh people, wow! So nice. if, if in the awesome. in the future, if people aren't able to make the August twenty uh, second event and they want to yeah. come to the, we're going to try to be doing a Beatles tribute thing in February that'll also raise money for it. All that information will be on there on Twitter. I think it's Craig Tufts Fund. Craig T U F T S Fund is our is our Twitter account. And then uh, the Facebook, I believe, has the same the same URL. So. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by, Ben. Thanks, Kevin. And uh, hopefully we will see you out there. Very awesome. All right. It's been tough. Uh, thanks for coming down. Uh, we actually uh, going to talk about some uh, albums this week. We're going to be talking about a little Jason Isbell uh, and a little Casey Musgraves. I wanted to pair the two because we're talking a little country. Paul, I'm shocked that you actually showed up for this one. <laughs> you know, I have to show up every so often or I get my uh, my podcast license. Yes, you, you so. do. You do. But uh, when you when you said, uh, hey, this Casey Musgraves ain't that bad, I was like, what in the hell is going on? Uh, I, I will tell you, Lisa was not surprised by it. I played it for her and I was like, yeah, Kevin was really shocked that I liked this. And she said immediately, she's like, Oh, well, of course you like this. But what, like, did, what did I say about – well, I thought Lisa would like it and you said she's a no-no-go country. No, no. She's, she likes it actually. She's, huh. she's got into it. It's the songwriting. I mean, we don't yeah. really have to get right into that. Which we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get into the – we're going to talk about Jason Isbell first and then Casey Musgraves. Um, while we, we stopped talking to Ben and then uh, chatted a little while, uh, maybe refilled a few drinks and whatnot – uh, Wilco just released a new album <laughs> for free. On the for internet. free, it's called Star Wars. It has a cat on the cover. Uh, my friend Chanel popped up in my chat like Wilco knows you so so well. I don't even know what the fuck's going on right now. So we're going into this podcast. This is like brave new territory. Well, having re- returned from Correct. Solid and Sound talk recently, a little bit of well, but that. let me just say this. So having tracked a lot of the Wilco, because I'm just a dork for the band. Uh, so. And the festival. So, so having tracked a lot of this, there were there was an interview that Jeff and or maybe uh, Spencer did with a local radio station. That apparently, when they were talking about the new, there was some reference to the new album. He was looking at the publicity people and kind of like making faces, like, "Can I talk about this?" Is what I read. So it sounded like something was kind of finished. Mm-hmm. And what I'm surprised at is that it's being released in this format when they've already you know they set up a record company a few years ago dbp records why not release it in a hard format and then follow up with something well, else we, and i'll tell you why because they're, they're playing around with digital distribution and seeing how that goes because uh it is through dbpm it is okay. through the record label you have to go in you have to sign up for their uh for their email thing their listserv uh immediately checked no press emails hmm. nothing i mean you met deb like yep, runs yep. and so um and uh, yeah, so this is an interesting test. In the same week, now I, we're going to talk about this. Just a real. I also, I also have to wonder if they, if it might be the whole mixtape ta- uh, issue. Like they want to call something Star Wars, you start making money off of that, and you've got a whole licensing issue right there potentially. Well, also like usually when Wilco releases something on the internet for free, it means there's a leak. But it sounds like this was pretty pretty darn intentional. From what I can tell, uh, I don't know. I, I also checked that. There's no leak. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I don't really get it. I'm curious to hear what the story is and 
Sorry, I'm crafting a tweet while we podcast. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is some so we'll social keep talking. media so, so, so my guess is this is maybe some toss-offs, and I don't, I haven't heard it yet, but it, I don't think this is like necessarily the album proper they were contemplating for later, but it does seem There's like... There's no reason why I wouldn't. Of, but it does seem like something that... I mean, maybe they're just so convinced they have such a loyal following that will buy the hard copy vinyl and CD that who cares? Yeah. Is the trackless Star Wars themed? I'm, I haven't unzipped the file. Oh, okay. So, so we, we're, I mean, we'll, we'll do all this after. So it's okay. not like we'll okay. put it in the, the garbage show. dump with the walls I, coming I, in and the emperor. I mean, like, I sort of want to pause and be like, what's this all about? But we're not going to because we got shit to talk about. All right. All right. So new Wilco album was out there. Neil Young, you can't stream his music anymore. So who cares? Whatever. But, uh, Right now, uh, we're going to be talking about Jason Isbell, so let's get on to that. And this is how you make yourself worthy of the love that she gave to you Back when you didn't know the beautiful thing And this is how you make yourself call your mother And this is how you make yourself closer to your brother Remember him back when he was small enough to help you sing You thought God was an architect Now you know he's something like a pipe bomb Ready to blow And everything you built It's all for show Goes up in flames In 24 frames Hey, that song is uh, 24 Frames. That is the first single off uh, singer-songwriter extraordinaire Jason Isbell's latest new album, Something More Than Free. I'm not sure. This is what his fifth album, maybe? Um, something like that. Uh, back in uh, his early days, his days of his raising, uh, he, was, he was a young buck playing with drive-by truckers, wrote some of their best songs, uh, if not their best songs. I, I love the drive-by truckers, but... You know, come on, like outfit and goddamn lonely love, farce pass, <laughs> like anything. Well, panties in her purse. Yeah, that is, that is a great song too. Um, in 2013, uh, he he got sober. Um, yeah, and uh, it was a big uh, sort of big deal about it. In fact, he actually played a friend of mine's benefit the night before. The, one of the songs on that album is about that. When he talks mm. about that night in Richmond, that's what he's talking mm. about. Uh, the album that came out on that southeastern. Uh, was one of the most lauded albums of of that year. There was a lot of, I think, press overkill. A lot of like big things, like you would never have expected Jason as well to have a full like New York Times spread at that point, but he did. But uh, luckily, the material backed it up. Went out on a mega tour since then. He has been touring nonstop. Uh, I actually was able to I've seen him a few times on the tour. Was able to shoot him and uh, Sturgill Simpson at the Ryman. Which was an amazing show. Um, you know, uh, his history with his band, the 400 Unit, which is what he got into out of the Drive By Truckers. Uh, it's, I think, one of the things we're going to be talking about when we talk about this album is like what kind of Isbell fan you are, what kind of Southern rock fan you are, mm-hmm. uh, which actually gets into what kind of, uh, I guess, music fan you are, really. Uh, that stuff I, I never locked into. Southeastern was the first one where I was like, he really nailed it. Uh, and now we have this new collection of songs um, that, you know, on the song we just heard, 
it's funny today you said paul that you really uh liked that song 24 frames the first mm-hmm. time i heard it i was like oh no like and i didn't like it but then i was listening to it on the way home and i and i really like locked into it and i think this is the kind of songwriter jason isbell is um let's get some uh real quick first impressions uh since paul you were actually just started listening to the album yeah i, I i've listened to it a few times now um I really like the songwriting on it. I mean, the guy knows how to turn a phrase. Um, it, it should come as no surprise that this particular style of music is not 100% in my wheelhouse. Um, but I enjoyed the album well enough. I think that there's not enough um, variation in the album to uh, to keep me coming back for more than like a song at a time. But like I said, there. 24 frames is is a gold song to me and there are a couple of other well yeah because it's about film come on (laughs) now like i'm nothing if not predictable um it's uh so look there's some great stuff on the album Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not grabbing me as a whole album and not because it doesn't hold that together thematically it definitely does that it's almost because it just keeps playing the same notes Uh over and over Uh again which might be by design. It might just be because he's settling into his wheelhouse right here. It's just not really my wheelhouse. Right, right. Patrick, what were, what were your first? So impressions? we're just doing first impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, the All first right. time. So I heard 24 Frames is a single on Spotify. Mm-hmm. That's me plugging Spotify over RDO. And title. Yeah, and title. Uh, <laughs> uh, so at first, I was a little resistant to it. I thought, eh, but I, I sort of agree that. It's a major grower, and I played it this morning, and I thought, God, this is a terrific song. I love the Skinner guitars as sort of part of the chorus there. Yeah. Um, I love the God is – he's more he's referring to God. He's more like a pipe bomb ready to blow. It's mm-hmm. kind of a great lyric. I mean, it's everything that sort of works for Jason Isbell. I think it's a great song. Um, there's, as usual with me, I think about half of the album is pretty good. <laughs> I think the other half sounds like late period Ryan Adams, but you know, that's what happens. And, um, who's a good friend of his and he's toured with. Yes, but it's troubling how much it sounds like late right. period Ryan Adams to me. Uh, so uh, without getting too far into the details, I like it. I like it not quite as much as Southeastern, but you know, mm-hmm. in general, you know, like it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's no. Um, I think at this point in his career, I, I don't think we should be comparing his albums. I mean, this is what I my what I'm taking away from this is that there are. Um, I, I mean, there's no way really to put. It. I, I think the last three songs are just stinkers. Yeah, the the it, end of the album it, is it, not. It, good. it dies, and it, but it's it's not unexpected, and this is mm-hmm. this is not really a slam. It's like. Historically, Jason Isbell has been a songwriter that he has several gears, mm-hmm. and and he does certain ones very well. He does ones where it's it's a long plotting stuff, which a song which we're not going to play, but a speed trap town, oh. which you like, yeah. is a very simple. It just sort of goes on and on. Uh, a lot of it, like uh, a lot of stuff on Springsteen's Nebraska, mm-hmm. especially like State Trooper. Um, and was that meant to be a? a- Criticism? No, no, okay. it's not. No, and but but what I'm saying is is that is that can engage you on. It depends on what kind of Isbell fan or what kind of songwriter fan you are. Mm-hmm. There's not a single song on this album where I can look at it and be like, the writing isn't spectacular. It is a, across the board, as is honestly everything he's done. 
Well, especially lyrically. I mean, lyrically, the yeah. way to paint a picture in like 20 words in two verses. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like tech, it's textbook. It's yeah. Towns Van Zandt. It's, yeah, yeah. it's all that. Exactly. It's great. Exactly. But I think, you know, uh, he, uh, he peaked with that particular, I guess, style of song. Uh, I'd say with Danko Emanuel from the Drive By Truckers, which was an unexpected thing when they came through. And it was just, um, and this, repeated sort of just dirge um you can get one of those on an album maybe two but when you start stacking three and you start stacking three it's sort of like at the end of the album uh it you know but he's he's got such a large catalog a large body of work now i'm starting to see um that you know he's seen as almost like outlaw country yeah as is the other artist we're going to be talking about, Casey Musgraves, which is why we paired him. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, you know, those guys, if you think of like Willie Nelson put out like, you know, 40 albums, not all of them are good. Mm-mm. And, huh? Uh, no, no, I was going to say but probably less than half are actually Yeah, good. yeah. Well, I'd say less than that. Hey maybe now. maybe hey 10 hey are good. The early ones are better than you think they are. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but. But my point is, is that what Isbell is is establishing himself now, in my opinion, as as one of these uh, tremendous classic songwriters that doesn't have to get it right every time. I go ahead. Paul. Oh, I was. Just, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt your thought. Go for it. No, go. No, go. I, 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 the, the comp that I keep coming to, and I don't. I don't like to, to force comparisons, especially mm-hmm. between such different artists, but. I keep coming back to the way that I feel about uh, Cass McCombs. Like, yeah, I, he's, he's the same type of guy. Yeah, like I'll listen to Cass McCombs' albums and all of – usually all the songs I can say like that's at least well-written and yeah. there's always a couple of stunners on the album. But I don't find myself going back to Cass McCombs' albums and, and digging through them repeatedly. Right. You'll go listen. You'll put on County Line and you'll just, yeah. just yeah. like – curl up into a ball the same way that I put on Elephant from the previous Isabel. Exactly, and exactly. I can't, I can't talk to people for like an hour. That's right. 100% right. Just, and, yeah. and and the achievement, like I've seen a lot of like hyperbole in the press except for Pitchfork, which honestly I don't have the guy's name up, but fuck you guy who wrote that review. Like He gave it a 5.8 yeah, and that guy – and, and he does stuff for CMT and stuff. Like seriously, fuck that guy. Like write a better song yeah. than – even the worst song on this album. Well, it seems but, like the review is like, I expected the album to sound this way and it didn't, right. so therefore I don't like it. The flip side of that is people were like, in interviews with him, are now saying like, I wasn't going to ask this question, but like if there was pressure, but man, I think this is so much better in Southeastern. Oof, it's not. No. It, uh, that, what we're talking about where the Cass McCombs does a song and then you, you are, depending on your mood, in for the whole album, but mm. you really got in for Counting Line. Mm. Um, you know, what he succeeded in making an album in Southeastern that you were in for the whole thing. I I wasn't even in for the whole thing for Southeastern. No, but I was in for more than I'm in for this. But keep going. Yeah. So on on this one, um, there's a. It seems to be uh, a little more like he's those three are his wheelhouse. But up to that are these uh, different. You got some really different modes. Like Children of Children is mm-hmm. is one that is. Uh, it's it's expansive in a way that his songs haven't been. It borders right up to cheese, yeah. but not really. Um, and again, you dive into the lyrical content, and then you're like, not at all. Uh, so it makes it a little frustrating because 
there are like my favorite tracks in this album. One of them we're going to hear in a second. Uh, if it takes a lifetime, uh, how to forget and and the life you chose. Like how to forget's a f- fucking hilarious song. It's just hilarious. It's Super Eight, which is a song I don't understand why anybody hated on that last album. It was amazing. Well, that's part of my complaint. There's no Super Eight, right? On this album, there's no just like hard southern rock mm-hmm. meat and potatoes song, and that's what I loved about Southeastern is yeah. that he was showing all these different palettes. I feel like half of this, maybe even sixty to seventy percent of this, just like I said, it's the lyrics are good, the structure's mm-hmm. good. It just sounds like late period Ryan Adams to me, a lot, a lot. Well, let's hear a, bit, a song uh, that I previously mentioned that. Doesn't sound like late period Ryan oh, Adams. No. It sounds like <laughs> full on Marshall Tucker band, so, uh, which makes me happy to no answer. So this is uh, If It Takes a Lifetime off of Jason Isbell's Something More Than Free. I've been working here, Monday it'll be a year, and I can't recall the day when I didn't want to decide. So yeah, that, that's full on Marshall Tucker like Southern rock, uh, and but it is uh, a great song about like learning and growing and stuff, which is a lot of this album um, is about. And when he's doing that, and that's a gear. Honestly, I, I I don't know that I've heard from him where it's almost like a pop Southern rock song mm-hmm. that he fucking nails it, and then. Slips back into the old uh, jammy Jason Isbell. And, you know, I will say when you get to songs like How to Forget, there's a lyric in there. Um, and essentially I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, does it make uh, does it make it worse uh, that I left you? Because you know, I have this person, like now that I have a person who makes me want to leave. Does that make me leaving you worse? 
you know, it's deep shit. <laughs> and dealing with the relationships. I mean, I, I'm not going to presume that's about Shauna Tucker or, you know, but it's about somebody. I don't think there's any reason to debate his whether or not he's one of the best lyricists working in music because mm-hmm. I don't think it I can't I can't imagine that there's any question. I mean, he has lyrics that are devastating and the economy of the lyrics are just just incredible. I think more what my tr- my my issue with this is this album is is that it seemed like, at least on Southeastern, it was more variation in the sound mm. and more variation in the in the palette. And I feel like um, on this album, there's maybe three or four songs that deviate from this mid tempo, uh, whatever whatever it mm. is. And 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 it's harder for me to absorb the lyrics when a lot of the songs sound really similar. Yeah, and that's part of what I'm getting at. And th- some of those songs have tremendous lyrics. Like really devastating, heartbreaking lyrics. Um, but if if you're really into lyrics and you're into Jason Isbell at all, it's, you're going to enjoy this album. Yeah. But it is, it is. Uh, I don't agree that it's with the Pitchfork review, but I also don't agree with some of the over the top reviews right. that it's gotten. I think it's like a like a seven. So so let's start with you. What do, what do you think you're going to do? Well, we're already there. Yeah, I mean, we, Gosh, we, we got to move, man. This fast forwardness, all this time getting yeah. up. All right. Uh, I rarely buy things, so this isn't really a fair assessment anymore. But I'm gonna stream it. Okay. Um, uh, I will put two or three of these songs on a mix here, or there, for sure. Uh, I think uh, what is it called? Truck Stop Town? No, wait, Stop Speed Trap Town. Speed Trap Town. Thank you. That's that's a. I mean, I think that's a really nice piece of writing. And yeah, he actually texted me and said, "Why didn't you warn me?" Yeah, because because <laughs> everyone there's one song on every Isabel album that I hear, right. and I'm like just openly weeping at my computer. I'm like, "Why didn't someone tell me before I listened to this while I was working that this mm-hmm. was going to make me this upset?" And it's just a really nice. If you're from a small town, if you've had issues with a parent passing, like you're just gonna openly cry at work. It's gonna be bad, so don't listen to it at work. But well, I wasn't at work. But anyway, the point is. Uh, he has those kind of songs that just blow your mind, you know. But to me, there's only one or two, maybe three really standout tracks on this album. And I thought maybe there were four or five on Southeastern. Um, and so, and a lot of it to me in the mid period, I keep, I hate to keep saying this, but the, the late period Ryan, late period Ryan Adams stuff, mm-hmm. it kind of melds together. Yeah. And, and it's, it's nice. It's really pleasant. I'm probably if I listened to it 15 times, I would come to like those songs a lot more. But right now, uh, on four or five listens, I'm just sort of going, eh, okay. you know, they're okay. Paul, final thoughts on what you're gonna do with it? Uh, solid stream. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. I got. That's what I needed to say. That was much more efficient than what I said. I, I, I mean, I, I, he's I, he's like in a big hurry here. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I. So, so I am actually, uh, and I've been debating this all day. What I'm going to do with it? I am going to fall down on buy. But the reason I'm going to fall down on buy is what I mentioned early in the discussion. I, I feel like, um, whereas I did not buy into a lot of his earlier solo stuff so much. Uh, I can see the bigger picture of Jason Isbell as a songwriter, mm-hmm. and it's somebody uh, that I that I fully support. And so I don't need every album to be a southeastern, and I'm not comparing the two. Yeah, you know, but I greatly enjoyed southeastern. It was one of you know. It was like, so 
I, I don't need everything to be that. I'm happy that he's making stuff. And I think there's enough, and it's spaced out enough on this album that if you want to spend, you know, what, like an hour, you know, with Jason Isbell hanging oh, out, yeah. then definitely then, worth hearing. Then, like, you know, who gives a fuck, man? Like, don't listen to us. Like, you'll hear a good song, right? The first song is, a, is incredible, and then from there, you just be like, oh, okay. So, or, uh, or, you know, do listen to us since we're coming to buy in two streams. So. I mean, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> who are you? Not the one I met. July night before the town went wet. Jack and Coke in your mama's car. You were reading the bell jar. Where are you? You're not on your own. Always lonely, never quite alone. Where's Jesus that you swore you'd find after running the last line? Uh, the single Biscuits off of Casey Musgrave's latest pageant material actually came out uh, what like last month I think yeah, it was uh, a few weeks yeah, ago yeah we wanted to, we wanted to wait on it a little while because we knew Jason Isbell was coming out we're trying to do this um, Casey Musgraves put out uh, an album same trailer different part which made my best of uh, in I believe it was 2013 uh, I will go uh, to the mat with anybody who says um, that the song Merry-Go-Round isn't one of the best songs ever written about the South. I, I also want to point out that there was hardly a podcast that year where I didn't make fun of you for liking you Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, that album is, it re- remains amazing, though, despite Paul's disdain, which is on record. Like, maybe we'll do a super cut of all those. Um, going into this one... Uh, Daria and I are big fans of Casey Musgrave, at least that first album. I reviewed the show uh, that she came and played here. Did not necessarily review it well. It was awkward. She's doing a, uh, as I uh, described to uh, someone I was talking to, more like a a pageant country, a show country, and nobody looks comfortable on stage doing it. You have men dressed in suits, neon cactuses and stuff, but it doesn't, while it fits that 
whatever, it just didn't work. And so that show, honestly, it was boring. Had zero hopes for this album. Mm. Uh, got it. Walk out, mow the lawn. Mm. And Daria was like, oh no. <laughs> and then came back in and and this is then my first remark about it was like, uh, holy shit, I think it might be good. Um, what, uh, if you were familiar with her stuff off same trail, different park, you know, she, she's a Nashville songwriter from Texas, uh, grew up in Texas. She writes, has, forget all the people she's written for, but she's written a lot of hits that you wouldn't know that she wrote, um, flawlessly. And, and as I think, uh, good at the execution as Isabel or any great like lyricist and stuff. So, much like Isabel's stuff, it comes down to the aesthetic, which I think is how we can address Patrick. And <laughs> Are you comparing the lyrics on this album to the lyrics on the Jason Isabel? I, I just want to just get a full-on admission by party on the record before I attack. I, so you're saying the lyrics on pageant material are as interesting or as solid as the lyrics on any Isbell album. Because Jason Isbell never wrote a lyric that says, I'm always higher than my hair. That is very so specifically But he also never wrote a lyric that said, this town is too small for cheating. This town is too small for lies, which is not (laughs) the truth because small towns are riddled with cheating and lies. But that's also the... the thematically what she was going for with yeah. that song. Like, Which is a problem on the album that we'll get to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, proselytizing about how th- she thinks life should work as a, a 26-year-old? Yeah, yeah. Right. Look, I think it's just a different perspective. It's, uh, you know, you're you're talking about Isabel and Isabel you know, writes much denser lyrics, but j- somebody can work in pop fiction and somebody can mm-hmm. work in, you know, it can be Thomas Pynchon and it doesn't mean that they're both not putting together equivalent works. They're just working in a different space. Right. And I think there are some great turns of phrase on here and some uh, really, you know, elegant thematic works. And frankly, it's it's catchy as hell. So <laughs> Yeah. Which is not something that I often like like latch onto or even care about. But the fact that it is it, it's a it's it's even a much more catchy than the last album. The last album had like some it's hits on it. I think the uh, "Follow Your Arrow" was the big one, um, which we're going to get into this in a minute um, about that. But uh, you know, it focuses on, like you said, that old school. It's '92. I would go back further. Oh, sure. I would go back into like or late '80s country. Well, she would like to be Dolly Parton. I think. I, who wouldn't though? Right. You know, there's nothing wrong or, with that. Or she, is, say, she is not. I would say Dolly Parton. I, I would say. Well, I mean, I would say she would also like to be like people like Reba McIntyre. Um, and I wish uh, uh, Loretta Lynn. I hear some of that. Lo- in there, Loretta so. Lynn and that. Um, there, there was a. Uh, so, so I grew up in the South, and we'll just get this story out of the way. I grew up in the South. My parents owned a, a furniture company, and we were in Bedford, Virginia. We uh, literally employed like half the county. Uh, it was a big operation. It was us and like Rubatex that is there. Uh, and all these details are, are, you'll see while they, where they're important. Um, and so my my family, and this started in Ohio, but my grandfather moved it down there. And 
I did not go into that business, obviously, because I am a super successful podcaster. <laughs> huge revenue streams. Yeah, yeah, so huge lucrative. revenue streams. But they made it started a handmade furniture, and so it made sense that they were in this place between Roanoke and Lynchburg, Virginia, that is nowhere. Um, and and doing this stuff where you have people who are, uh, you know, it's surrounded by like trailer parks and ranch homes and whatnot. Uh, Summers when I would come home, I worked with this man named Eugene Welch, and uh, his nickname was Pumpkin because he had a nice, round, big gut that looked like a pumpkin. Uh, lived in a trailer park on the way out of town. Uh, would always, like, if he saw me driving by when I was on my way to Roanoke, he would beep his horn, like, as he could see my car from the road. And he was out there drinking beer always. That specific southern experience is. I think what this type of music is addressing because what we we worked in shipping so it literally packed furniture all day long and he wouldn't let me listen to the rock and roll we listened to like the shitty country and when I went in there I was like yeah this is shitty but coming out of it when I uh, when I stopped working there uh I was like wow this is actually all sort of amazing and this is when like Randy Travis was at his prime Garth Brooks uh, Martina McBride, uh, Dolly was not at her prime. She was in like sort of in the background and stuff. Uh, Faith Hill was just coming up, uh, and I think country has like pop country at least. The industry of country moved so far away from that now that uh, you know it's unrecognizable, and you can look at that as classic country. Whether I'm not. Going to say on this podcast whether or not that is classic country. It's certainly not the stuff like Sturgill Simpson just did, or like Old Willie Nelson. Can I? Yeah, I, I just want to latch on one thing. Mm-hmm. I, whatever we end up saying about these albums, can we just agree that neither is anywhere near the ballpark of what Sturgill did on the last album? No, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I actually can't. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because because they're all. It's a tradition of. Writing to a a uh, a more, for lack of a better word, common people. Like, if country music is the music of the people and of of like the middle class, or in the case of Bedford, the lower middle class. Well, and Sturgill was trying to do something totally different than what than what he either was. of these guys are doing. Like that was but real like, old weird outlaw country. Yeah, that yeah, he was bringing sure. back. And this is this is stripped down pop mm-hmm. country right here. So the point is, and we're gonna. That story was leading up to the song and the reason I wanted to play it because uh, we've got some songs that I want to talk about that you want to talk about, like Dime Store Cowgirl. Uh, I want to talk about pageant material a little bit. Uh, but the song Late to the Party is something, if you put it on the radio back in 1989, this is a song that like, if you are a dude in a trailer park and you got a lady in a trailer park, you're both thinking the same thing, that this is romantical as shit. And it is. For that specific thing. Let me tell you what Musgraves is thinking. She's thinking, I wish I got royalties for wedding DJs playing this damn song because she it will be might. played for the next like 30 years at so, every country so, wedding. So we're going to play the song, and uh, but th- this is late to the party, and it's just three dudes sitting down in the basement. So, yeah.
I think one of the things that is we were screaming yeah, off mic. Yes. We this is just a seamless transition yes. from the off mic. Um, I, the, the song that that, uh, that I was talking about before, Dime Store Cowgirl, yeah. I thought that like one of the things I like about that is usually when you hear um, the Life on the Road song, mm-hmm. and for a sophomore album after a tour, you almost have to have one to two and sometimes a full album of songs that are just about like, Man, I had to write these songs on a bus between uh, I mean, tours. Life on the road kind of sucks. And right. most people screw that up and most of it is kind of feel sorry for me. And I like the fact that she basically knocked that out in one song and the theme was like, yeah, I saw some new stuff and it was pretty cool, but I'm still kind of the same person and, you, and you're not really going to take that away from me. Which is actually a cultivated thing though. That that is her cultivated image. I I mean I agree with that. I agree with that. Sure. And that song works for me just fine. It is and, and it's one of the weaknesses of this album is that the uh you know, everybody just do what you want, be what you want to be and stuff. That message gets hammered over um over and over and over to the point where like well you, you wanna really punch great- someone's teeth in? No, oh, no, sorry. no. I'll agree. I think it holds it back from greatness. And yeah. I think that the back half of the album drops off pretty significantly for me. Like and except for the last song. Yeah, the last song. Well, that's got the hidden track? Well, the last song into the hidden track. Right. No, I, I agree. The last song the last song's good. But like, you know, you hit songs one through four, I think, are, are good. I like biscuits, that's six, and then it's just kinda like Really? Eh, okay. You liked biscuits? I do like biscuits. You call yourself <laughs> a uh what's the Carrie Brownstein band that you like? Slater Kinney. So, yeah. Oh. You call yourself a Slater Kinney fan and yeah. you like biscuits? Yeah, don't Dude, you think that Carrie still, Brownstein well, would 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 spread the music sheets and the lyrics out of Biscuits on this table and take a big fat crap well, on it? No, I don't. I don't uh, at all. Because here, here, here's a couple things. I, hold on, I, I actually wanted to address uh, that. Yeah. Since it's addressed to me. One, I don't think she would. Uh, Two, I don't care because <laughs> Carrie Brownstein's music tastes are beside the point when <laughs> I'm talking about what I like. Uh, okay, here are my raw notes on Dime Store Cowgirl, and then I'll. Dime Store Girl or Dime Store Cowgirl. And then I'll stand down. Light Country Stomper. Obligatory country and American landmark references. Willie Graham Parsons, Austin. Seems to be be about how she thought she was a big deal but realized that she is a small town girl. Uh Quote, you can take me out of the country but you can't take the country out of me. Barf, period. (laughs) I'm still the girl from Golden. Barf, period. But yes – Catchy, sincere, inarguable sentiment, well-constructed with great production values. The problem is that I don't care about this person. She does not really know who she is yet. She has not really been knocked down or suffered. That's so, my problem so, with this. So, so, she has nothing to say. Well, I mean, I, I think that that last part is just a, a personal like uh, judgment on that. Like, you, you, We don't know about Musgrave's life. Everything up to that, though. But shouldn't we after three, two, three I, albums? No, it's entertainment. Like, Ugh. I don't know anything about. So but, wait, hold on, hold on. You think that people can only define themselves through their art through suffering? No, I, I feel like 
if she had something to say. No, I, I get where he's coming from. Like that was music, interesting. Right. I don't think she has anything interesting. To so, say. so, and and this is it's this. so first person. And this is yeah. this and is the, none of it is to be. nothing happened to her. And this is the pitfall, though. Of, Seems like something happened. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, she got rich. It's just not something <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, she <laughs> no. had a slight setback that it wasn't as commercial as she thought it was going to be, and her relatives asked her for money. That's well, what I got. We out of we, this. we shouldn't speculate on like what what did or did not happen to Casey Musgraves, but. To address what you're talking about here, that is one of the pitfalls of the album because it is so uh, very much pop and pleasing. Mm. Like you, the, if if you're looking for the deepest, darkest songwriting in the songs, you will not find it in the I think the ways that you expect to find it, and a lot of it you won't find it at all. But again, like the the first song, High Time. Uh, you know, Patrick Material, the song we played, like you will find this, there, there's an inherent sweetness in like that song we played that doesn't exist, I think, in modern country. And what we were talking about during the break is that this, she came out and said, well, I'm going to make this album like country used to be 20 years ago because since then it has been shit. Mm-hmm. And I will get behind that 100% because it has. Well, but I agree with you. It sounds like a country album from 1992 on and I don't have a problem with on that. KKW, and, you know, whatever, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. But I, but I, I understand to, people right. having a problem with that because because of how it's sold. Because there there is a uh, disparagement between like where she or the economy between how she is even presenting herself and what this is. And I, I won't go so far as to say it's problematic, but it, it definitely uh, th- there's a part of this like. Like I said, I reviewed – I gave the show a bad review, the live review. Let me ask you a question because I don't listen to bro country. Right. Or I, I don't know if I even understand what that is. <laughs> but so the question is – Let's put on is, some Toby Keith. And yeah. yeah. I, I've Florida seen Jordan one Toby Keith video that was the most hilariously awful thing I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. my question is, is mainstream country, bro, bro country – so far gone that this is a revolution because this does not seem no, like a no. revolution. And that, and that's also, the seems like that's someone the who went. I liked 1992 mainstream radio country that sounded a little bit more closer to what Nashville was supposed to be about in the in in the mid 70s, early 70s. Right, but and don't get, I'm don't trying get to emulate that, that sound. Don't get caught up in that false narrative, though. Like nobody here is saying that this is revolutionary. Absolutely not. It is different than what you know most mainstream country is pumping out right now, and I think that it's more than just lauding it for its you know for its throwback nature. If you say Here's what she set out to do. Mm-hmm. I think she did it very effectively, and I think that she wrote good songs to go with to go with that. Like I think that she accomplished on this album what she set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's not as high a bar as some other albums that we've reviewed right here, but I yeah. think she cleared it pretty easily. And if you like this stuff, mm-hmm. you know maybe you don't need to be crying at your desk all the time. And that's weird coming well, from I me. I want to cry at my desk, <laughs> <laughs> but here's but here's. Let me put this out. This is one of the notes I made, and I'm going to fast forward. I appreciate your comment. I don't have a good response other than to say when she sings in a higher register over and over again with the pedal steel, I just go – all this sounds the same. 
It's but very that, saccharine. That's, that's pop when music. she drops down into the lower register, like on this town, and she puts this found sound at the front of it, and there's a little bit of blues and soul in the middle. I go, well, this is kind of interesting, right? And and so and the, that's what I'm talking about is the dichotomy between what she's doing like live, and that's actually that particular song. I don't know what, what that's this town, right? Yeah, yeah. So that particular dichotomy, sh- that's her live show. Yeah, but Where here's my problem with balance, this town before you finish. To, okay. The lyrics are garbage because eh. this town is not filled with people who don't lie yeah, or cheat or steal. It, if you heard it 20 years ago, anyway, you'd, you'd be ahead. like – if you heard it 20 years ago in Bedford, you'd be like, this is life. All right. Like for me, for me, this album is actually uh, more or less good reporting. Um, and, and it's not reporting on anything serious. Uh, so it's shocking. I, I'm sort of with you. Like a lot of times I need this like deep – like. I need it to mean something, mm-hmm. and uh, this—I mean, this doesn't. It's—it's it's light, it's fluff, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, uh, I mean, it, is she going to be like as big as Taylor Swift someday? I'd be shocked if she isn't. But you know, this is a stepping stone up from that, and uh, I mean, I—it's—it's it's hard uh, for for me at least to like have too many problems with something that is at, at the end of the day like by the way she's never going to be as big as nobody is. well okay <laughs> i just need to make that point but it's like if i say it's innocuous i don't mean that like pejoratively i mean i think it is what like pop is supposed to do it's supposed to entertain like if you, if i want to think about Music. If I want to do so, I'll put on I'll put on the Beauty Pill record or I'll put on Chemical Mars record. But if I just want to like hang out, and if I want to just have something that is like uh, very well made, very well written, and, and it still engages me on a level, uh, some some intellectual level, but I don't have to really think too much about like this type of stuff is is perfect. Yeah. Man. <sighs> All right. Here's my challenge to you. Okay. This is a, um, a an album designed to sound like either early 90s or mid-70s Nashville, yep. sort of a ripe country. The production values are off the charts, regardless of how I feel about this album. The, the production values are just stunning. Mm-hmm. The use of the pedal steel, however overused it is, is just sweet and beautiful and great. Mm-hmm. The songs are catchy. The songwriting is super tight, super well thought out, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like someone trying to imitate a 1970s or early 1990s sort of country pop album to me. She's either trying to be Dolly Parton or like Reba McIntyre or something like that. But there's nothing new. Like art is imitation. Th- th- thank you. You hated the Natalie Press album. Well, that's because it's bad. The Natalie Press album is someone trying to sound like a 1970s and soul album and with failing. huge production values, and that, that's really difference. tight songwriting, yeah. and a great instrumentation. Yeah. So I'm going to, and I don't love the Natalie Press album, but what I wrote down in my notes was how is this any different? It's because it's, it succeeds, and it's, it succeeds in a nebulous way that you can't, I, I honestly can't tell you why. Like, Again, I went in just thinking like this is going to be terrible. This is going to be the worst thing ever because it's a follow-up. There's pressure and the fact that it wasn't and not only that, it's like that Paul even like enjoying it is a testament to like just better songwriting, better – And I went into this thinking that I was going to want to tear my eardrums out. Right. A better acumen at your job. Natalie Prass is hype. Like the band Space Bomb Studio is 
is deserved hype. But Natalie Press, like the stuff she's doing is uh, is uh, Jim Deirdrecatus at Disney Rock because it's less catchy. Um, because it's 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 amateur. Like it's not it's not thought through. It's like I can do this, and it's a it's a misunderstanding of the genre that she's working in. And I'm not saying she doesn't have a great voice, and she does. And she, I mean, she's obviously a talented musician, but what she put on record does not work. If I have an hour left in my life, I'd rather listen to the Natalie Press album than this album. Okay. If I have an hour left in my life, I'm doing something entirely different. Than <laughs> yeah, things. yeah. So, um, so, so Patrick, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> now, I might take the song This Town and work it into something in the a mix in the middle where it sort of is complemented by something on either end of it. But I still think even This Town – I, I, I applaud the effort of the found sound and using a, a sort of soul and blues breakdown in the middle that mm. makes sense. I think that the I think that the lyrics work better on that song than in some other songs. I still think she's to- like it's like she's never read Faulkner or Flannery O'Connor or American to, literature. Basically, is what I took I, away I, from I, that. I, I didn't realize that that was a prerequisite. Yeah. For so pop songs. so my problem is it's a false narrative. And William so, Faulkner can write a damn fine pop country right. song. Right. So, so my <laughs> problem is, so my problem is New the band, one William song Faulkner. that I actually really sort of was okay with. I think the lyrics are false. I am going to. What is the third option? Pass. Garbage. We have mediocre now. Trash. Mediocre. No. <laughs> no, Paul and I have both seen Mad Max, so mediocre is. Is below stream, but uh, other other pass above pass. With a deep appreciation for the production values and a deep appreciation for the efficiency of the songwriting, I'm going to pass. Hard okay. pass. Paul. Um, well, even after this conversation, I'm surprised yeah. myself by saying it. But this is uh, this is a buy for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I can't. Uh, it, it would be. It would I be, might walk out if you're no, listening. It, I might it, would walk be, out. it would be disingenuous for me to to say otherwise. It's not going to make any top ten lists or anything at the end of the year, but it's going to get some solid spin while yeah. the sun's warm and we're looking for good pop music out there. So, I, right. if anyone out there has a music podcast they want to have me on, I'm, I'm willing to defect. <laughs> Patrick's jumping ship. I, I too am going to buy it, but I, I will go a little further. I said this will end up on my top ten. Oh, Kevin! Uh, I I feel uh, um, I, I hear all your complaints, Patrick. And, and one time I I was, and this is no judgment on that guy, but at one time I was that guy. In fact, probably around this is episode one twenty five, so probably around episode twenty five, I was that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, but I will honestly, after you guys leave, I'll put this on. And I'll put it on over Isabel. Ugh. And if my lady's home, I'll definitely put it on. So, um, so it's it, it's a total win, and uh, and I will, uh, you know, and and to Natalie Price fans, like to be clear, like like you enjoyed the album. We're not slamming Natalie Price yeah. at all. Yeah, and it it wasn't it. You know, the press of it was what well, we get a lot of this, and a lot of times we react to is that. Uh, you know, press is hyperbolic. It's fucking ridiculous. You know, this they say an album is genius and it's only like passively like competent and that happens a lot in what we do. But this this is more than passively competent, so buy it. You're a girl who grows up in the south. I try to use my
Um, we were going to play a song from uh, Seagulls from North Carolina this week, but I think we have run like super long, so, <laughs> so we will we will get that uh, next week. Uh, thanks again to uh, Ben Tufts uh, for coming down. Thank you guys. For Go to the benefit. Go to the benefit. Uh, all the things will be in the show notes. Uh, thank you guys for – should we go to the metal bar now? Is that metal it? bar. Metal bar. All right. We are going to slash run. Um, if you had ESP and could hear this or can hear us shouting in the basement, then meet us there. Uh, so until next week, uh, be good to your ears. Uh, be really good to your people. Uh, it's important. So and we'll talk to you in a few days. Kenobi, how do you feel about what's happening? <laughs> 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 Kenobi!